0: please join me in a word of prayer. Lord God, I'm so thankful for your word. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Lord, I pray that you would help me now as I preach, that you'd encourage your people, that you would teach us about the community of love that the cross created. I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. These are particularly bizarre times when widespread fear and sickness and some national calamity, or in this case, international calamity, is happening. We see in those moments both the best and the worst of human, humankind. We see people do all sorts of selfless acts of love and very selfish things. <clears throat> Friday night late, I went to Walmart to pick up one specific item that I needed. And when I got there in the, <clears throat> the pharmacy section, everything was gone. All the shelves were bare, and then I looked around a little bit and realized quite a few other things were missing. Toilet paper's gone. I don't understand that. Bleach is gone, which I understand, but I have a bottle of bleach at home, and at one part per 100, bleach to water, that bottle will last me like three years. So I don't know why we've we've sold out of all that. But sugar is missing. Sugar's gone. Like, raw sugar is gone. Hot dogs, those will actually last a long time if we run out of food, but... Ramen noodles as well. There were, it was random what was missing off of the shelves. And I think, I think the thinking of people is, how do I anticipate what could happen, and how can I get ahead of the line? I don't want to be the guy stuck at the end of a line of 100 people for two loaves of bread. And so I'm going to try and get what I need first. And it's arguably selfish. The motivation I get, I mean, fear is emerging as self-centeredness. Out of fear, we're looking out for number one. It's what we instinctively fall back on. And today, I want to consider the community of love that was caused and begun at the cross. And it's fitting because we're doing this sermon series on the, the last words of Christ, the words from the cross we've called the sermon series. And these texts were picked I don't know, six, eight weeks ago. But this one in particular, I think, lines up well with the moment we find ourselves in with this coronavirus and what's happened right now. So my text today um, is from John's gospel. It's that gospel lesson that we read from John chapter 19. It's only uh, three verses, John 19, 25, 26, and 27. And we'll take a look at that. And I want to remind you that Jesus said that when he was, he said, when the Son of Man is lifted up, Pointing to the cross, he said, I will draw all people to myself. And it is those that are coming to the cross that find a new kind of community that is a community of love. And it's a community of love that cares for others and not just self. So consider the first two sermons that we've had in this series. The first one, of the, the, the first word, if you will, from the cross that Jesus spoke was forgiveness. He prayed, actually, for the forgiveness of the people that were executing him. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He's thinking about others. He's thinking about his enemies. And then last week, the second word from the cross that we looked at was the one of the criminals that repented. Uh, repented of his sin, repented of mocking Jesus. And he turned to him and said, Jesus, when you come into your kingdom, remember me. And Jesus says, it gives him two gifts one, you'll be with me, and two, it will be in paradise. Again, he's thinking of other people. He's thinking about the criminal that was being crucified next to him. And then today, we see him expressing concern for his mother, for the disciple John, and modeling and starting something that is a new kind of community of love. So let me back up to the text that we just heard read and point a couple of things out from this. Um, I like to joke sometimes and say in those days there was a shortage of names, so everyone was named Mary, James, or John, which is kind of funny because it's really hard to distinguish who we're talking about. There's Mary of Bethany, there's Mary Magdalene, there's Mary the mother of Jesus, there's Mary the mother of James and Joseph. there are other ones as, in, as well. And then, which James are we talking about? Are we talking about the James the son of Zebedee, James and John? Or are we talking about James, the brother of Jesus, the other son of Mary, who ended up being the leader of the church in Jerusalem? There are a number of James, Johns, and Marys. And which John? Is it John the Baptist or the apostle named John? Now, let me point something out to you. In John's gospel, that's John the disciple whom Jesus loved, he never names himself at all. He names John the Baptist, who's a different John, but he never names himself. He just refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved and he never names the mother of Jesus. She's never called Mary in that gospel at all. She's referred to as his mother or Jesus's mother. And I think this is significant because there's a great humility that entered into the community of faith. Keep in mind, this gospel was written to the church like 30 years after the resurrection. A lot of sanctification had happened in that community in that time. Whereas they were not focused on the cross and did not understand Jesus's mission initially, they got it figured out pretty quick after Pentecost. And so at one point, James and John, with their mom, the wife of Zebedee, come to Jesus and say, Lord, we want you to do whatever we ask for you. And he says, what do you want me to do? When you come into your kingdom, we want to sit on either side of you, one at your right and one at your left. And of course, the other 10 disciples are indignant about this request. They're frustrated with this request because it's self centered. This is John. By the time he's writing his gospel, he doesn't even call himself John. He calls himself the one that Jesus loved, the beloved disciple. And I think this is because he's identifying himself in terms of a relationship to God. In fact, she's not Mary, she's the mother of Jesus. She is being identified in terms of her relationship to Christ. So he's the the disciple that was loved by Christ, and she's the mother of him. These names pick up the humility that is in the community. But that took a while to happen. At times, Jesus had to speak very firmly to his mother. Here, he's very tender with her. But there was a time when she and the other brothers and sisters came and tried to deter Jesus from ministering to the crowds. And he said some Kind of stern things. That's in Matthew twelve forty-eight. He said, who is my mother and my brothers? You see, someone interrupted his teaching and said, Jesus, your mother and your brothers and sisters are out there and they're wanting to see you. And he says, who is my mother and my brothers and sisters? It's those who do the will of my Father in heaven. And so he was pointing to this community of faith focused on the ministry of him fulfilling what the Father wanted to be done. This is this new community that's being formed. And we see humility now later in the community. Now, keep in mind that when James and John and their mom came to Jesus and asked for positions of honor, it was the week of the triumphal entry as Jesus was going into the holy city and was about to go to the cross. And so if you know John's gospel, there's a huge block of teaching from chapter 13 to chapter 17. It's, the, it's called the Upper Room Discourse. In that teaching, he explains to them what this new community is going to look like. And it's where we get the the term Monday Thursday from. Thursday of Holy Week, the new mandatum, hence Monday, the new commandment was given. Jesus says in um, chapter 13 of John's gospel, verses 31 to 35, after he's washed their feet, he says, a new commandment I give to you, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. This is going to be the telltale sign of the community of faith. People will see the love that Christians have for one another. And and by that love, they will know that you and I are disciples of Jesus. He expects us to do that. That's in chapter 13. In chapter 15, he says there's no greater love than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends, which is what he's actually doing on the cross. In chapter 16, he says, in this world, you will have tribulation take heart. I have overcome the world. And then in chapter 17, verse 20, he prays that the disciples would be one in him, that it would be a unified body of faith focused on him. Now, his mother is at the cross. His disciple John is at the cross. It tells us, if you compare all the different Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it tells us that many women were there who had followed him. They'd come down from Galilee. Jesus was being cared for by um, other people, in particular, a number of women who had resources. They were providing for his food and shelter and whatever he needed as he had this itinerant ministry for three years going around. And they realized who he was. And they follow him to Jerusalem. They see his mock trial, and they see his execution, and they're there at the cross watching this. They are present there. And I don't know exactly what that looked like. I can imagine it sort of in my mind. Weeping, sadness, heavy hearts, um, concerned looks on their face. Maybe Jesus um, closed his eyes in pain at one moment, but then as it receded a bit, he opened and saw there his mother, If you remember, when Jesus was presented as a baby in the temple, a prophet, an old guy, Simeon, came up and took Jesus in his arms and made a prophecy. And in the midst of doing so, he said to Mary, a sword will pierce your own heart as well. Now, I have to imagine that watching this crucifixion was that sword. It was a mother's pain. And I think Jesus probably saw that. And again, on the cross, in great suffering, he's thinking of others and he sees that John has followed him all the way to the cross. Remember, all of the disciples scattered when he was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before. Peter denied him. The other ones ran and hid. Um, But here's John standing at the cross with his mother, with Jesus' mother, and he looks down and he says, Woman, this is your son, and this is your mother. And from that hour, he took her into his home. Now, notice something here. That wasn't a family obligation. He had, Jesus had other brothers and sisters. Mary had other children. James, as I said, became the leader of the church in Jerusalem. It would be more natural for Mary to go into their homes, but again, I suspect they didn't believe yet. They didn't understand. In fact, they doubted. They questioned. It wasn't until after the resurrection that James, his brother, not John's brother, Jesus's brother Mary's other son comes to faith he actually becomes a strong leader of the church in Jerusalem he writes the epistle called James in the new testament but at that point they weren't believing and so it wasn't that Mary needed a place to stay it's not like Jesus had been caring for his mother and now was going to die and so gave her over to John she she was staying somewhere else Jesus had no place to lay his head he says he was being cared for by this group of women and others What he was doing was establishing a new community of faith among those that believed in him and were at the cross. This was going to be a community of faith marked by love and care for one another and care for others. It's a beautiful picture. And it's an encouragement to us. You know, the saying that blood is thicker than water, talking about family, biological relations, I would argue to you that water, meaning the waters of baptism, is thicker than blood. In this moment, John, who believed in Jesus, and Mary, who believed in Jesus, had a bond of faith that made her coming into his home from that point forward make sense. Now, in time, the blessing of our biological family coming to faith as well is the ideal, which does happen with Jesus' other siblings. But we've got a picture here of John and Mary united at the cross in mutual love and service, in faith. What does Jesus' death signify to us? It shows us God's love, both in general God's love, that he's a loving God, that he's concerned with the needs of people, that he so loved the world he sent his only son. But it shows a powerful example of self-sacrificial love, that Jesus was willing to care for others, even at his own personal expense. And for this community of love to work, the problem of sin is going to have to be dealt with. And it's being dealt a death blow right there on the cross. On the cross, he was dealing with our sins. He was making substitutionary atonement for us. He was paying off our debt, our guilt, our shame, bearing our sins so that we could be forgiven and then go and bear his love to the world. In particular, starting with the church, the community of faith. Because after all, the essence of sin is false self-love that prevents the sharing of the life in God, which is love. By focusing on myself, I'm not able to concern myself with others. I'm focused in instead of out. And Jesus turned an inward people outward. There's a new family of faith that finds its unity in the cross. In this little exchange with John and Mary, Jesus is establishing a new community of love. And the Apostle Paul would later write in Philippians 2.4, Look not to your own interests only, but also to the interests of others. I think about church history in those moments where there were widespread illness like the plague and other things. Christians were the ones who stood out because they were caring for other people at great personal expense. They were not concerned with saving their own skin. They were concerned with other people, and they had love for others. They were doing what their Lord had done. So this week, you know, I'm not going to speak with any, you know, authority. The CDC and all the other groups can do that, but um, it seems like there's widespread fear and there is a concern, but it's been blown out of proportion and so people are really afraid. So they're buying hot dogs and toilet paper off the shelves and for what? I think the Christian community can speak a word of kindness into that and concern and all the changes that are happening right now are actually causing hardships to people to our friends, our neighbors, our family members. I want to encourage you to look after one another, starting with the church. Look after those who are being inconvenienced or who are in fear or who need someone to go to the grocery store for them or whatever it might be. Let's be this community of faith that Christ has started and John caring for Mary and Mary caring for John. Let's be like that because of the cross. And I don't know how the Lord will use you. I want to encourage you to pray for divine appointments Ask the Lord to open up an opportunity for you to serve somebody, for you to use the resources at your disposal to care for another person. Maybe you'll consider walking down your street and just knocking on every door and giving them all your cell phone number and saying, if you need anything, you're not alone. Call or text me. I'd love to help in any way I can. Even if they don't need to call you, that very act stands out like a shining light in a moment of selfishness. And it's because of the cross that we can do that. So let's pray now, and um, then we're going to join in a sermon response song that is praying for God's peace. But I want to say a closing prayer, and then I'll ask uh, Jim and the music team to come up and lead us in a song. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for your incredible love for us. I'm grateful for the cross. It will forever be the center of this community you've started. Lord, I pray that all people would be drawn to you as they see your love. And I pray that we would then love one another as a result. Lord, have mercy on our world in this moment and give us courage to look not just to our own needs, but to those, the needs of those around us. I pray this in your holy name. Amen.